14, if you have your Bible with you, Joshua chapter 14, and I'm going to be showing a little video clip in just a minute. If you want to bring that screen down, you can go ahead and do that. And then um, also, Pastor Gordon, if I can get somebody to give me some water, uh, that'd be great, some water. Um, I just uh, want to say thank you for those of you that are traveling, have made uh, uh, the sacrifice to come. And as always, it's a great privilege, amen, to be able to minister here in the Mother Church, amen, not just in the Mother Church, but behind uh, my pastor's pulpit, amen, and I'm, I'm, I'm greatly honored to be here tonight. I honestly, when he called and asked me if I could do this, I thought he was, uh, I thought he thought he was talking to somebody else, and uh, no, it turned out he was talking to me, and so I said, all right, well, praise God, amen, uh, I'll be more than uh Glad, amen, to come. And so I want to preach tonight uh, a sermon I've entitled Braveheart. And uh, I'm not going to preach on Mel Gibson, um, but <laughs> I am going to preach on courage. And I'm going to use uh, the story of uh, David Wilkinson. And so, thank you, sir. As we know, uh, he died in a car accident two years ago. And so I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Braveheart. Joshua chapter 14. 7 through 14, it says, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me, the heart uh, of the people, or uh, that went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. That means with, with everything he's got. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God, thy God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spoke this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day foursquare and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in, that, in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spoke in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims or Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh uh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenesite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for this day. Lord, I pray. God, did you use me as your oracle, God, to speak your word and your truth? I pray. My God, did you minister to hearts, God, those that are discouraged, God, this evening? I pray that you encourage, God. I believe you, God. Give us a burden, God. Uh, Lord, the wind, my God, what you have put, God, before us, God. I believe you, God, for a special grace, God, in this service. In Jesus' name I pray. And God's people said... Amen. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Braveheart. Like I said, I'm going to preach on courage. And uh, there's not a whole lot of people that uh, have not heard of David, David Wilkinson. He, he died. He was an incredible uh, man of God. Um, he uh, was able, many of us remember him because of the cross and the switchblade and uh, Nicky Cruz and different things. Teen Challenge was the, one of the first things that he began to do there in New York when he went. Um, but David Wilkinson died in a car accident two years ago. He was 79 years old, um, and he made a lasting impression um, in this world. He had revival with the gangs of New York. He established Teen Challenge, and uh, I believe it's said that 1,800 other ministries have been birthed out of just Teen Challenge alone. Um, the Cross and the Switchblade movie. Um, everybody remembers seeing Eric Estrada and Chones. Uh, and, uh, but even more impressive was his ability to keep his vision until the end. Someone said he wasn't a sprinter, 
He was a marathon runner. And I believe God's looking for marathon runners uh, tonight. I want to show you this video clip that I picked up from him and, and challenge you tonight uh, to have courage. Let's, let's watch this. Fifty years of ministry began with one act of obedience. As a young pastor, David Wilkerson made the decision to turn off his television and give his time and attention completely to God. It was a decision that would have immeasurable impact on his life and ministry. Born on May 19, 1931 in Hammond, Indiana, David Ray Wilkerson was the second child of Kenneth and Ann Wilkerson. David grew up with four other siblings, with the eldest being Juanita, a younger sister Ruth, and two younger brothers, Jerry and Don. Through the godly influence of a long lineage of clergy, this child would one day find his calling behind the pulpit. But it would not end there. Unbeknownst to him, the counsel of father and grandfather would serve as a poignant reminder as he would soon begin his journey through the unfamiliar streets of New York, the United States, and the rest of the world. Okay. On June 14, 1952, he married the love of his life, Gwen Caruso. I'm going to show you just one more. This is one of his last sermons that he preached right before he died. speak to the depths of the soul I don't know who this is for but Lord I'm going to speak to those who have backslidden to those oh Lord who have been growing cold and indifferent to the call of God and the things of Christ oh God come and speak God says the word that I've sent to you I didn't send it out to be void but the word I've given to you is you're going to accomplish the very thing I said it would. Lord, I flee to you to hide me. And folks, the original that says, I will veil myself in you. Now you think about it. You see, our faith now can't be based on emotion. Our faith cannot be based on just the testimonies of others who've been delivered. It can't, there can't be cliches. It can't be just a shout. We have to have a foundation for the faith that we're going to need. And this has to be laid hold of God's own claims of who he is. This whole thing starts out right here. Oh, hear my prayer, Lord, give, hear my supplication. In your faithfulness, answer me. And in your righteousness. And here's the challenge. God, here's the basis upon which I come to you. Not what I've heard in the past about people, but here's what you told me you are. You said that you are faithful, that you are just, that you are holy. You cannot lie. And you can't be God if you aren't faithful. You said you're long-suffering. You said you're the God of peace. You said you're the God of my strength. Now, I'm coming to you. I'm going to lift my hands to you. I'm going to believe what you said about yourself. And I am coming on the merits of nothing I have done, no righteousness of my own, but on the... Hallelujah. I mean, you know, you can feel this man's heart. Man. I want to preach, you know, because David Wilkinson honestly was a, 
was a voice, amen, in, a, in, in our generation. And I want to minister um, out of uh, his life story. <clears throat> I want to, like I said, preach a sermon I've entitled Braveheart. And so, you know, he said that God had said to him, what would happen if uh, he was to turn off his TV? He was challenged at a very young age as a minister to to give his time, to devote his time. Now, back then, you have to understand, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, there wasn't computers and all these other things uh, to take your time. Um, basically, the television was the main source of media back then, and he dealt with that. He gave that to God, to holy, follow God. And because of that one decision, it altered, it changed his entire life. Um, and literally 42 were impacted, including our own, because of, of someone that made a radical decision to turn his TV off. Now, I believe this evening that God is looking for the David Wilkinsons of today. Can you say amen? David Wilkinson's act of courage began in 1957 when he saw an article of seven men that had murdered um, a young man, uh, and uh, he saw their faces in this newspaper, and something uh, uh, began to deal with him within, and he said, Lord, something has to be done. Someone has to save New York. Somebody has to help the gangs. And it was right there where he felt that God said, David, you're the man. And because of that, um, he goes into uh, New York and he begins a teen challenge. I want to start off by looking at real men. Real men uh, have courage. Real men have courage. That word courage in, in Latin is the word cor. It's C-O-R. It's where we get the word corazón. Amen. Um, it means to have heart. That um, the word courage, uh, the way that you define it, um, is not by a man that um, uh, has big size or, or incredible strength. Uh, he, you know, God's not looking for rambles. Can you say amen? The world thinks the more dangerous you are, the more courage you have. If you jump off of cliffs, if you swim with sharks, if, you, if you're a UFC fighter, if you're in gangs, you have incredible courage. In the eyes of the world, a real man um, is measured by those things on how tough you are. But I've been pastoring long enough to know that men that are tough on the outside are usually soft on the inside. Guys that are tough on the outside, gang members uh, and, and men uh, that are bullies and, and all these other different types of toughness on the outside usually are extremely emotionally on the inside. Their emotions rule them. The Bible says that Saul was a very big man. He was ruled by jealousy. He got jealous when he heard, um, you know what, uh, saw his thousands and David his ten thousands and this incredible man, a king of great stature, the Bible says, incredible size, uh, was taken down because of an emotion called jealousy. Esau, the Bible says, was selfish and he had a carnal appetite. And because of this, he loses his inheritance. He was a, a hunter. He was a, a guy that, that would appreciate uh, the month of November and December here in Texas. Samson, incredible strength. And Samson is taken down for no other reason that he's, he's horny. <laughs> he, can't, he can't, you know, he's, he just can't, he, he can't keep uh, 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 his appetites. See, the world sees a man do something stupid or crazy, and he says, man, that guy, that man, he's got some pretty big cojones, man. Right? You want to do that? Yeah, all right, let's see, prove it, man, if you got some big cojones. See, but when it comes to picking a real man of God, God doesn't look at the size of your cojones. God looks at the size of your heart. He's not interested Interesting, uh, interested in how big your muscles are. God's not impressed with crazy. He's not impressed with muscles. He's not impressed with strength. What God wants to know is can you get up early in the morning and go to prayer? Can you outreach? 
Do you have enough heart? Are you preparing yourself right now because conference is coming next month and you want to get sent out? Someone said a hero and a coward both have fear. The difference is a hero overcomes it. To think, you know, we live in a generation of men that don't want to admit that they have fear. That's nonsense. A real man is judged by his heart. David was a young man. The Bible says that as he stands before Goliath that they try to dress him with Saul's armor, but it was too big for him. The Bible says that he was Rudy. He was a, a, a young a, a man, um, and yet the Bible says that this young man um, has heart. He, he's the only one that has any kind of courage to face the giants. A lot of times you'll find, man, I remember the first time I went to Tucson Conference and, and I couldn't wait to see Pastor Mitchell. I'd never seen a picture of him. I'd never seen anything about him. Um, and I couldn't wait and I'm waiting for him to come out on the platform. And I'll never forget when I saw him and I said, that's Pastor Mitchell? That's a small man. I mean, no, he's got a huge heart. And you'll find that a lot of times that's how God moves. Sometimes it's the small men. Can you say Andy Anderson? This guy, take, I'll never forget when he went to Google Ethu, man. I was a young disciple and I saw him and I said, they're going to kill this guy. He's little. He weighs 90 pounds wet. He's whiter than milk. There's no way. No. You can't send this guy. Not only does he go to Africa, and most guys, they go uh, Africa overseas, and they set up in real nice areas where it's real modern and, and malls, and it's like you're in America anyways. He sets up in the middle of a township. I mean, in the middle of a township, this guy is crazy. I remember the first time I went for him, I was scared. <laughs> we got out of a service, and we're leaving. It's just me and him, and there's two uh, big black guys, man, that are going at it with broken bottles. And Andy stops the vehicle, puts it in park, and he gets off to break the fight. Man, I locked the doors. I said, this dude's crazy. <laughs> I'm looking around, man. I said, man, we're in the middle of, a, I'm in Africa. A little white guy is going to break up these, how many know, man, he's got courage. You know how I know he's got courage? Because he's back in Africa. See, it takes courage to get sent out or to be a missionary. David Wilkinson went. To New York to reach the Mau Mau's. Man, again, a little white guy. Goes into the ghetto. He has no fear or value for his own life. The only thing that he can see is a need. He doesn't care about his life. He doesn't care about his marriage. He doesn't care about his children. He, he cares about these things, but he sees a need, and he knows if I just wholly serve God, God will take care of everything else. And he plants himself in the middle of New York, in the middle of a gang-infested place. See, what about us tonight? Can we still see the need? Do we still have courage to win our neighborhoods, our families, our schools? Do we have courage to win a city? What about a nation? Can we still see the need? Because God's looking for real men of courage. He's looking for brave hearts. I want to look at, secondly, at losing heart. I want to look at being... Divert it. You know, the children of Israel spend 40 years in the wilderness. See, what happens to a man that loses heart? Well, David Wilkinson, after he has this incredible breakthrough with the Mau Mau's and the gangs and Team Challenge, he gets completely diverted, man. A little after he's 45 years old, he goes from winning the streets of New York City to starting a Feed the Hungry program in Africa. 
then he really loses his mind. He starts a program called the Goodnecks. These were uh, uh, middle class and high class rich white people that uh, he decided that they need Jesus also. And it's true, everybody needs Jesus, but that's not what God had called them to do. Then you read about his story and you find out that he decided to retire and write books. Losing heart is one of the trademarks of someone who gets diverted. Moses, the Bible says, forsakes Egypt, makes a, an incredible radical move, um, and he makes a stand. Um, but then uh, he gets diverted for 40 years. I want to look at uh, four reasons why men get diverted. Why they lose heart. Number one is I'm getting older now, leave it for the young. I remember about 10 years ago, Pastor uh, Mark Olson coming here and saying our, our conference was a, a virgin conference, a baby conference. He said, but just wait till later. When it gets a little older, and you're going to begin to experience some things, and I think we're getting a little older now. I know I am. I'm 43 years old now. Some years have passed. We're not young anymore. The only one that looks young still is Chris Todd. Everybody else got old. <laughs> see, something happens to us when we don't see what we want in life. Everyone has goals. Everyone has dreams when they're young. We set those before us and we're excited about them and we cannot wait to reach out to them. But something happens to men when they don't see their dreams come to pass. They get diverted. See, we need to be careful because if you begin to neglect God's house, then you're going to build your own. We need to be careful that we don't start calling good bad and bad good. Be careful that you don't start counting the cost and start saying, I gave everything to God when I was young, and now look at my life. I have nothing. Isn't it amazing how we always place ourselves at the top when we think of what we gave up for God or what we could have become? I could have been a doctor, man. I could have been a lawyer. I could have retired from the military. Truth is, most of us were high school, uh, high school dropouts. We didn't even have a GED. The truth is, we really didn't even give God much to work with when we got saved. That's the truth. It's amazing. Oh, I could have been this. I could have had my own business. I could have had a company. I could have been, uh, you know, having all these things. Truth is that what we have today, we have only because of God. Be careful that you don't start counting the cost. Be careful that you don't find yourself saying, I'm 40 now. I'm 50. My wife wants a house and a nice car now. I heard a wife say that to her husband. I don't want ministry anymore. I followed your crazy dreams already. I want a house and I want a car and I want to settle down. David Wilkinson tells his wife, let's build a nice house in Texas and retire. We've done our part already. Quite different from the spirit of Caleb. Lo, I am this day four square and five years old, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. He says, I'm ready anywhere. You want to fight? Let's do it now. He didn't say, I'm too old. Aren't you glad, man, Pastor Barry Parker didn't retire? 
What an excitement, man, there is right now in China. People are willing to go. I can't help but think another three or four people are going to go. But it was because of a man that said, you know what, um, in my old age, even though he wouldn't have admitted that he was getting older, but in my old age, I'm going to do something radical. Thank God. He said, you know what, I have a maid in Austin. I have a house, my kids, my grandkids. I have too much to lose, man. Leave it for the young. What's amazing is the older, more mature pastors that are seasoned won't go, and the young, inexperienced pastors are eager to go. The men that could really make impact. You have experience. Your marriage is mature. Your finances are in order. I have too much to lose now. We begin to compromise. I've heard many pastors try to convince themselves that uh, where, they're, where they're at uh, uh, or that they're not called to go overseas. I've heard, I, and I'm not even exaggerating, I've heard over 20 pastors say uh, that the city that they're in is like being overseas. Look at all the nationalities here, man. It's just like being overseas. No, going overseas is like going overseas. I haven't seen anywhere in, in America that, that's uh, like Gugoletu. But somehow, no, 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 man, it's just like overseas, man. Caleb said, the other men were destroyed because they refused to go, but I wholly followed you. They were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. I wonder how many men... We're supposed to go to a city or a nation, and now they're stuck in the wilderness because they haven't wholly followed the Lord. See, now we're not young anymore. Now we don't want to go. Pastor Mitchell's quote, he said, why should I waste my time feeding pigeons and sitting at a park waiting to die when I still have something to impart into men? George Mueller. George Mueller was a missionary. He preached over 10,000 sermons in his lifetime. When he became 70, he was able to realize his dream to become a missionary. And the next 17 years, he preached and traveled into 42 different nations. He preached until he was 87 years old. The last night of his life, he preached. The next morning, he was found dead beside his bed. He died while uh, doing his devotional prayer. 87 years old, he preaches. Uh, he goes to his room, he gets on his knees, uh, and he prays and he dies. Second thing that happens is men get discouraged. If courage is to have heart, then to be discouraged is to lose heart. When people are discouraged, they withdraw. Many times you'll see people go backwards or they become very passive. The convictions that they once had are no longer there. God's no longer first. Peter goes back, the Bible says. He goes back to what he used to do. He goes back to the world. He goes back to his old job. It's amazing when, when people aren't in ministry anymore. The moment that you sit someone down or you deal with them, the first thing they do is go get a big old TV. I mean, immediately, they go right back into the things of the world. They get their old jobs back, selling beer at Diamond Shamrock. It's like they're... Their entire time, man, their, their whole heart wasn't even in it. It's like the moment it does, this doesn't work for me, I, I still have an outlet. You begin to go backwards when you're discouraged. The third thing is inflexibility. You're not as flexible as you used to be when you were young and eager to go out. Kids are older now. 
I don't know, man. I have to sell my house now, my car, you know. You have grandkids. When I went to Bolivia, man, my granddaughter was spending almost uh, all week with me every week. You're not willing to go anymore. You have too much to lose. We hold on to our things. I believe it was Pastor Benny Rodriguez a few years back in conference. He used the illustration about this hobo who was pushing a cart and it was loaded with a bunch of junk. And he said he witnessed somebody go and try to remove a hubcap that was hanging on the cart. And this lady went crazy beating him, beating the, the guy to death. And he's looking at that saying, man, that's crazy, man. She's beating this guy half to death over junk. And then he said, I bet you that's how the God and the angels of heaven look down at us and all the junk we have in our house. God's like, let it go, man. Go win a city. Go win a nation. It's mine. I have too much to lose. Pastor Mitchell said, older people grow soft and tend to lose their stands. They, may, uh, they, they tend to lose their stands they made and lose their edge. Have you lost your edge? fourth thing that happens is compensation. We begin to think we're owed something. We begin to function through seniority and, 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 and the stripes that we carry on our shoulders and I've done this, I've done that, I went there and so now I'm owed something. Luke 18 verse 24 and when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful. He said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God, for it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Now listen to Peter. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come. Peter says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I le God, I left everything to follow you. What do you mean? We make Peter out to be this guy who was a fisherman and cussed like a sailor and like he had nothing, but he had a fishing business. That was huge back then. And he leaves it all to follow God, to follow Christ. And then Christ is making these comments. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, wait, I gave up a lot, dude. I'm owed something at least. You see this a lot. You hear it preached a lot more now. Men that are going overseas, they come back expecting something big. I went overseas, I earned my stripes, and, and I did my five years now. You know what, I want to come back, and I want something, I want you to give me something, Pastor, because, I, man, I put, my, I put my years in. And a lot of times, there's not anything big to give somebody. Matter of fact, a lot of times, it's just something small. But this is where a lot of men lose hearts. Because in their minds, man, I'm too big for this little church. I've preached here. I've preached there. I've been overseas. I'm way too big for this little church. Obviously, there's some kind of confusion. And they get distracted right there, man. They, they, they can build that church. They can, you can make incredible impact. You can cause that church to have incredible revival. But in your mind, oh, this church is too messed up. Um, it's had too many pastors. Uh, and, and anyways, man, I'm too big for this city, man. I'm too anointed for this church. It's funny because God decides where he's going to put us.
Jim Elliott said in his journal the night before he died in 1949, he's the guy that went into Ecuador. He got killed there by the natives. In 1949, he expresses his belief that work dedicated to Jesus was more important than his own life. These were his last words written in his journal. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In other words, God, I'm going in vulnerable and I'm going in blind. And if I get nothing, I'm blessed. If I get something, I'm blessed. It doesn't matter. I'm not owed a single penny. People get sent out and, and I gave up everything, my job, I gave up my house, and I gave up my family. But you gave it up for God. And Jesus said, no man has, has given up anything that's not going to get a hundredfold here and up there. In other words, you need to keep your heart focused. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. See, if you're not careful, man, you spend your time counting what you gave up for God. And in the process, you lose heart. I want to close. I want to close with, regain, uh, with regaining courage. I want to close with getting back on track. You know, David Wilkinson got completely diverted. He started this thing with the good necks and the uh, feeding the uh, Africa and all these different things. And uh, one day he's visiting New York. And as he's visiting New York, he is uh, taking a, uh, a turn in a corner. And he's walking the streets. And he hears a drug dealer say, I have the stuff that killed Lynn Bias. Now, nobody except for people that are over 40 or 50 know who Lynn Bias is in here. But he was a famous college basketball player. He had just died. Crack was new on the streets, man. And, um, and so this basketball player, man, had gotten turned on to this. Uh, and he dies of an overdose. And it's all over the newspapers. And the very next day, after he kills himself or after he ODs, um, the very next day, there in the streets of New York, as a drug dealer says, I have the stuff that killed in bias. He said that, as he heard those words and he saw this, that he turned and he saw 10 and 11 and 12-year-old kids doing crack on the streets. Listen to what he said in his article. He says, I began to weep as I witnessed all of this. I prayed, God, you've got to raise up a testimony in this hellish place. It seems like the devil has set up New York City as his kingdom. This is the seat of Babylon. He said the Lord's answer wasn't what I wanted to hear. Because he said, Lord, raise somebody up to come. God said, David, you know the city. You've been here. You do it. He said, I was shocked. I'd been ready to retire. It wasn't that I was weary. I just felt I'd put in my time. I'd spent 30 years on the streets and in drug rehab centers all over this world. Now I was prepared to move to Colorado and spend my latter years writing books. And so then he begins to think about his wife. His wife didn't want to go out anymore. His wife was tired. His wife wanted to enjoy life and, and her new home. So he says, God, what about my wife? You know how she feels. You know she doesn't want to go back out. You know she loves her beautiful new home. How can I uproot Gwen now? He said, God spoke to him and said, David, you deal with your heart and I'll deal with your wife. Listen to what he says. That night when I walked into our hotel room, Gwen had been praying. We're going back to New York, aren't we? You know, we just get our own hearts right. God will deal with our wives. 
problem is we try that the other way. God says, no, David, deal with your heart. Because you're the real reason why we're not going anywhere. I can deal with your wife. And he comes that night and she's on her knees praying, man. God's dealing with her. You're going back to New York. See, David Wilkinson made a radical decision to get back on track. And it started with one simple question. He said, Lord, is there, any, is there something you want me to do? Caleb said, I am this day four square and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain wherefore the Lord spoke in that day. Caleb's not talking about his strength. He's talking about his courage. He says, I, ha I still have the same heart. I'm still willing to go. Caleb said, give me this mountain that the Lord spoke in that day. Or in other words, um, give me what the Lord promised me in my youth. Or he wasn't ready to throw in the towel and get a hobby. See, I have to ask the question tonight, what would happen if we also ask the question that David Wilkinson asked, Lord, is there something you want me to do? Lord, we're coming to conference. Is there something you want me to do? Anything but a nation, God. No. Whatever God wants. See, what city has your name? What nation? What mountain? What high school, teenager? What neighborhood could be won if we rededicated our time, if we gave ourselves, if we turned off our iPhones and our computers and our laptops and we wholly followed the Lord, if we served God with courage? Men that would make a decision tonight, God, I'm going to serve you wholeheartedly. I don't care the cost. I don't care if I, if I uh, upset my in-laws. I don't care if I upset my wife. You deal with my wife, but I'm going for it. Amazing how scared men are of their wives today. These same men that get behind the pulpits and preach how manly they are. The moment their wife, oh, hold on, oh, hello, yes, uh-huh, yeah, can I call you back, it's my wife, yes, okay. Hey, hey. I mean, it's like they sit in attention, it's like, it's my wife, dude, it's my wife. It's not, what is it, the police? I mean, I used to act like that when I saw the cops. Hey, don't breathe. Hey, don't move. There's a cop. <laughs> hey, don't, look, don't, don't look suspicious, dude. <laughs> Are you that scared of your wife, bro? Leave her to God. I told my wife, I'm on the phone, I'm on the phone. I'll get back to you when I have time. You know, this, you see men, the way they, 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 they humble themselves to their wives. What would happen if you humbled yourself that way to God? See, I believe God is looking for Pastor Mitchells and David Wilkinson's to impact this generation. You know what Nikki Cruz said as I close? Nikki Cruz was... Uh, the, from the cross and the switchblade, man. This was uh, David Wilkinson's trophy, if you would. The last words that Nicky Cruz said at David Wilkinson's funeral, he leaned over his casket and he said, now there is a man who never lost heart. There is a man who never lost heart. Where's your heart, Art? Where's your heart at tonight, bro? What if God wants you to give up that little city, that, that, that small church? What if the next guy that's going to bring it in is going is to explode uh, in revival there? 
disciple? What if you make a decision tonight and say, you know what, God, whatever you want, I close with this story. Many of you have heard of Robert the Bruce. Pastor Gordon turned me on to this story. Goes perfect with what I'm talking about. He was a king of Scotland at one time. And uh, he wanted peace for his nation. He wasn't able to see it because uh, his body, he wasn't old, but his body was so beat up because of the hard life that he had. And he was dying. He said these words. It says, Bruce then turned to the good Lord uh, James. My dearest and best friend, he said, you know how hard I have had to fight for my kingdom. At the time when I was sorest pressed, I made a vow that when God should grant me peace, I should go to the Holy Land to fight for the sepulchre of Christ. But now that I have peace, my body is feeble. I cannot fulfill my heart's desire, yet I would fain send my heart where my body cannot go. There is no knight so uh, uh, gallant as you, my dear and special friend. Therefore, I pray you, when I am dead, take my heart from my body, carry it to the Holy Land, and there bury it. And so you know what they do is they, they bury his body, but they keep his heart. They put it in a, in a little box, in a silver box with a gold chain. And this night, uh, uh, James, what he does is he, he puts it around his neck and he's going to fulfill his master's dream. He's on his way to the Holy Land and he's passing through Spain and notices that uh, the Christians there are being attacked. And so he decides to stop uh, uh, and, and help with all his men. In the heat of the battle, they began to lose. They thought they had already defeated them, and they followed these men out, um, and they didn't know that they were being set up into a trap. They got surrounded, man. And so right there, what he does is he, he rips the heart off of his chest, man, off of this chain. And in the heat of the battle, he gets the heart of Bruce the Willis. Uh, 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 Bruce the Willis. <laughs> Of Robert de Bruce. <laughs> he, <laughs> he gets the heart, man, in the middle of the battle, man. He, he throws the heart, man, of, of Robert de Bruce, man, in the middle of the battle. He runs after it, and he begins to fight. He said that, they said that the reason that he did that is because they wanted the heart or the courage of Robert de Bruce in the midst of the battle. See, what would happen if you threw your heart in the middle of the battle? If you said what David Wilkinson said, Lord, is there something that you want me to do? What would happen? What would happen in your city? What would happen with your family, in your schools? What kind of breakthrough would you have if you grabbed your heart and you gave it to Pastor Ruby and you said, Pastor, spin the globe. Send my heart wherever you want. Let's bow our heads. Braveheart. See, God's looking for David Wilkinson's. <clears throat> maybe you're not ready to get sent out. But maybe you're ready to start being a disciple. To start judging certain things in your life. David Wilkinson makes one simple decision to turn his TV off. And because of that, he says, I begin to devote my time to God and God saw this man, that he wholeheartedly began to serve him, and he began to anoint him and began to give him favor, began to open nations, 42 different nations, because of one simple decision, God, I'm going to serve you 
with my whole heart. See, what can God do with you, disciple? What can God do with you? If this conference you came and you said, you know what, God, whatever you want to do, deal with my wife, please. I'm terrified of her, but help me. It's amazing, man. David Wilkinson walks in and his wife is on her knees praying. And God deals with his wife. We're going back, aren't we? She followed him. They went back and had incredible revival. Incredible breakthrough. He died preaching his heart out. So many of us have heard that sermon that he did on anointing. That's one of the most powerful sermons I've ever heard in my entire life. He did that in the latter part of his years. Because he said, you know what? I can't retire. I have to obey God. So many times we feel old. We want God to compensate us. Listen. What would happen if you just gave your whole heart where you're at? If we're really as great as we think we are, then why can't we make something happen where we're at? I don't believe that our best years are behind us. I believe our best years are ahead of us. And I believe God's really, really dealing with our pastor's heart to make some radical choices, uh, decisions, amen, this conference. I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my heart. I've been preaching it in my church. Before I go any further, you're here tonight. You say, Pastor, I'm not saved. Roman, I'm not saved tonight. I want to get right. I want to start right now by giving my whole heart to God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand tonight. If you want prayer for salvation, you want to repent of your sins and give yourself wholeheartedly to Jesus Christ, I want you to lift your hand. <clears throat> You're backslidden. I want you to lift your hand all over this place. Hallelujah. Very well then. I believe God's dealing with our hearts. I believe that the next Pastor Mitchells and the next Pastor Rubies and the next David Wilkinsons are right here. All we have to do is make a decision to wholly serve God. Let's all stand to our feet. These altars are open.